0: In. Hi. Uh, what's what's going on? Whose office is this? Why, I'm a shrink. Isn't it more professional to refer to yourself as a psychiatrist or a therapist? Like, I'm pretty sure you shouldn't call, call yourself a shrink,
1: right? Mark Zuckerberg wears a jumper to meetings. <laughs> the world's changed.
0: But he's he's a CEO. He's not a medical professional.
1: May I remind you, your hour's already begun.
0: Okay, well, I don't want to use up any more time, so uh, I guess I'll talk about what's in my, what's in my head. I watched the Razorhead the other night, and it really messed me up. Like, I can't quite understand what that film is about or trying to achieve
1: a razor head tell me more
0: (laughs) David Lynch's his feature film debut it's just very strange and kind of disorientating and it 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 definitely sticks with you in a lot of weird ways and um, there's a lot of weird imagery and sounds and stuff that doesn't sound like a David Lynch film
1: maybe
0: you are <laughs> anyway i just can't get it out of my head so that's why i came here to your psychiatrist or shrink as you say your shrink's office to talk about it well you came to the right place and how, how much is this costing me again only your soul <laughs> <laughs> pre-recorded it's lynch shrink um, Huh? Um, what uh, <laughs> Brexit DVD. My first question for you, Josh, is did you know what you're in for with this with this film?
1: <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. I was, I was, um, I was quite excited. I, I don't think I'd heard of it, actually. But then um, oh, really, but it is, it is quite uh, famous, isn't it? Kubrick said it was his favourite film at one point. Yeah, it's one of those,
0: like, cult ones that a lot of filmmakers have seen and have inspired a lot of filmmakers, but it's maybe... I mean, you can see why it doesn't have mainstream appeal, can't you? From, like, the the first five yeah. minutes. like. Had you seen this film before? No, I'm kind of a big uh, Lynch fan, but I've never... It's, it's one of those ones that always ends up on, like, your list of films that you should watch, and then you never get around to it, really, don't you?
1: Did you know um, the sort of production process and how it took... Five years and all of that.
0: I didn't know any of that. No, and I've been looking into it. and It's really interesting. Sort of slept on the
1: set as he was making it, which I think oh, yeah, I read that too actually, yeah. More kind of claustrophobic and slightly nightmarish or like like that it could have been the product of his nightmares. The logic of dreams, I think someone said, and um, I, I believe think... I
0: said that, Josh. You know? Oh, messages. sorry. <laughs>
1: <That's> my...
0: <laughs> <laughs> as I said that, I just thought, oh no, did you? Say... I said it was like a lucid dream, which I guess is kind of. And kind of the same thing.
1: And then there are dreams within the dream. His mother apparently at the premiere said to him, as soon as the curtains rolled, oh, David, I, I wouldn't want to have a dream like that which I think sums it up pretty well. The film was released in 1977, A Razorhead, but he started casting for it in 1971, which for a low-budget film, quite a short film, 89 minutes, it's a, it's a long time. Um, one of the shots when the main character, played by Jack Nance. Uh,
0: Jack Nance, yeah. From uh, Twin Peaks as well? I don't know if you've seen Twin Peaks.
1: No, I'm looking forward to possibly uh, watching, yeah. We
0: can't, no, we can't watch the whole of Twin Peaks, can we? It's like a, a million-hour long. I know <laughs> I watched it, the movie there's, guess, like,
1: but... there's like how many 60 episodes or something, isn't it? yeah.
0: Um... Yeah, and then the more uh, recent one where it just gets really indulgent and kind of kind of amazing in a way, but then also like very long and slow but the, the only
1: bit I've seen from Twin Peaks is the the famous red room scene the, um... Yeah, yeah, they they did
0: riffed it on the Simpsons, didn't they? We're both we're both big Simpsons fans, good. so yeah. Is that where yeah. you yeah. know it? Okay.
1: I think that's, that's where where Oh, I knew it from that first. And there's one scene where Jack Nance is opening a door and it, the act the real-life filming between him opening the door and then him walking through it was one year break in filming shot in between other things going on. Yeah, did you have anything to say about the production?
0: No, I was just thinking the fact that it took so long. I think one of the main issues was money, right? Because it was a really short script. And obviously, a lot of it is like imagery that you need the money to kind of realize. I think I read the, the script was like 22 pages long, which is usually it's like a minute per page. So that is insane for a 90 minute film. I just wonder, did David Lynch in the process of making it kind of lose faith in it, do you think, at certain points? Like it must have been insane to be trapped in like this weird dream world for years. I think think it coincided with quite a difficult period for him because it was
1: when he was getting divorced and because obviously one of the biggest themes in the film is fatherhood there is a baby involved but to call it a baby is somewhat uh but um it's a
0: film about the miracle of childbirth i would say though.
1: the film equivalent of stevie wonder isn't she lovely i think it's uh, <laughs> yeah, so own...
0: usually would do plot a the plot isn't the point here and be like there isn't a lot really there to talk about
1: it's not set in the world quite as we know it. it's a sort of run down urban wasteland allegedly inspired by lynch living in philadelphia in the 70s when it was very run down jack nance his character is called henry spencer and he sort of looks like Kramer and wears a suit so he looks like a kind of uber nerd his trousers are slightly too short so his socks
0: got a pocket protector as well that he wears
1: so he lives in this very depressing urban wasteland and doesn't say a whole lot is very passive spends a lot of the film reacting he goes to have dinner with his girlfriend and her very uh, interesting parents and it, it turns out that she has had a child but it's not really it it's a sort of alien like baby and it drives him apart and drives him mad. I was going to
0: say, do you think the baby is his? Because I think it's kind of up for debate in the film, isn't it? Like,
1: It hadn't occurred to me that it wasn't. It's quite possible that it isn't, yeah.
0: But this is one of these films where there's no like definite interpretation of it. It's like whatever you got from it is what David Lynch was trying to get there's no wrong way to watch this film I don't think unless you're like on your phone the whole time and texting people and not paying attention
1: the wrong way is almost to overanalyze it rather than just like we're doing right now yeah like we're doing right now the plot is a kind of loose skeleton what's important is just the sensation of watching it the sounds probably it's and it's all all black and white as well the kind of the soundtrack is bizarre it's a very ambient hissing just urban noises took them a long time to add in the the sound effects afterwards, a lot of dogs barking and a general kind of white noise buzz throughout. It's kind of contributes to a lot of the suspense and it might suddenly change with jump cuts, even the changes in a very jarring way.
0: Fatherhood is one of the big themes. And then there's the other thing I think David Lynch really doesn't many other films about kind of fatherhood, but something he does do a lot and is in this as well is like small town America versus like cities and kind of thing because he goes to his girlfriend's family house and they have like the flowery curtains they made me think of like the carrot curtains from the from the Simpsons it's very like kitsch and the dad's like a what is he like a repairman or an engineer or something he has like his name tag on his jumpsuit
1: very old-fashioned mid-century blue-collar America he's, he's uh, just the they're not all on the same wavelength some of the scenes at the, the family home are very uh, just odd aren't they they're just like a dream
0: yeah well the most striking thing for me was the uh, what they eat which is this chicken that he describes as man-made <laughs> yeah. I think and it's yes. like oozing yeah. out this stuff And like bubbles are coming out of it, and it's just. Horrific. Like it really made me uncomfortable.
1: The whole film is a very good advert for vegetarianism, definitely. Um,
0: <laughs> maybe that's the true meaning of razorhead. Maybe we finally uncovered it after all this time.
1: Yeah, the story about how no Jack Nance died. No. Not in a fight outside of Donut Shop. It was in 96. What happened? He had a bruise under his eye. Press asked him what happened, and he said, Oh, I guess I got what I deserve. And then he had a headache, and then the next morning he he died, but he got into a just like a brawl outside the donut.
0: Shop in the morning. That but is like I... <laughs> something out of a David Lynch film, isn't it? Like that's yeah, it's really. just bizarre. It's truly, truly bizarre. And um, I mean, it's inevitable, especially talking about like older films that like most of the actors are dead. That dog that's like nursing all those puppies. We didn't really talk about that, did we? <laughs> but that's, that, that dog's not allowed yeah. anymore. And the whimpering of the dog kind of like is a precursor to the whimpering of the baby, I guess. There's uh, so much you can read way. into things, yeah. and it's like whether it's intentional or not. Or
1: the um his girlfriend and the woman across the hall are both still alive and the woman still sometimes sings that in heaven song as well
0: i'm watching it on silent and that woman with the face things just came on the screen at the end she's
1: credited as the woman in the radiator because obviously the radiator hisses throughout the film all but i hadn't realized she was in the radiator this woman who appears in his dream and she's a kind of marilyn monroe type blonde with a disfigured face
0: dancing on a stage and crushing like sperm beneath her feet as she does <laughs> yes <laughs> where yeah. she can
1: read into that different things
0: yeah yeah i guess it's like infidelity and like committing to a relationship like when you have a child with someone you kind of like commit yourself to them and maybe you still have thoughts about other people like i think that's human and natural and not something that you can stop that's what i got from it anyway but that might say more about me than it does about you i don't know no i, I just wonder why his children thought of the film to be honest. <laughs> it's about his daughter right or at least she's claiming it's about him Because she was born with clubbed feet and they had to do like really extensive surgery on her.
1: So I wonder what she thinks of it all.
0: And she's actually a filmmaker as well. She's made like one film and it was like this critically panned film. We have to do an episode about it, I think
1: having watched so many sort of so-called midnight movies in that i can imagine this being a real hit in that kind of environment even though it's not a bad film it has that same kind of midnight movie cult uh, feel. Uh, on a big screen it would be uh, fantastic
0: i remember when we showed pink flamingos and part of it was just like watching people just freak out and like run out of the cinema so that would be fun watching this in the cinema as well i guess like
1: i think only pink flamingos was a is the only weirder film i can think of we Both watched it at like 2 a.m. or something, which I think, which definitely added to it for me.
0: It's not the kind of film you like wake up on a Sunday morning and like have your morning coffee and then watch it, is it? That would be a weird day if you did that.
1: I was just watching back over some of it now and it didn't have any of the same kind of um, tension, but I guess that's accumulated throughout the film. Just not knowing what was going to happen, it was, I was wincing through most of watching it. it. I definitely would watch it again 100% and I think I'd get something else out of it. I'd probably enjoy it more. It wouldn't have the same impact, but I'd probably find it a bit funnier because there is a lot of sort of very dark, perverse comedy going on, but I was just so terrified about what was going to happen.
0: I'd say that's, um, because David Lynch films are so open to interpretation, they are like, they're the kind of thing that you can rewatch again and watch at different points in your life. Like I imagine watching this, if you had children would be completely different from watching it at like 23. You'd get something completely different out of it as well but what did you think about the
1: songs as well The the organ and then the songs that the lady in the ra- the woman in the radiator sings
0: but the sound design is very intricate and um obviously they've taken a lot of care to make it like exactly what david lynch wanted it to be i think like it's definitely one person's vision the song in heaven um, sort of took on
1: a life of its own, which is sung by the woman in the radiator. Like all sorts of groups covered it afterwards. I had a listen on Spotify. Oh, really? Pixies covered it. It's not as good as the
0: original. Was it? Was it a hit as well, or was that it just like a, a novelty it. that they?
1: I think they covered it for a live thing, or maybe put it on an EP, and then Modest Mouse. It is very catchy, but kind of creepy, so it's worth listening to. Um, they have the whole um, soundtrack on Spotify because it was oh, it right. had a formal re-release in a few years ago. And the other thing about Fats Waller's organ, I didn't know he played organ. He's kind of like iconic sound of New York nightlife in the 20s. Um, But then I I hadn't realised he'd made records with organ on. It's it's very, very creepy in the context of the film. Have you seen that film, um, Be Kind, Rewind? with um,
0: that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have, um that, yeah I'm I'm interesting to see what the connection is here but yeah as I've seen be kind of
1: connection. That's the um the pianist they made the film about in that Oh uh,
0: uh, really? Yeah, yeah right at the end where they kind of do a genuine film.
1: That had potential I thought but it kind of trailed off in the second half. But uh, I watched that many years ago on my birthday.
0: It's one of those ones when like Blockbuster was still a thing. Like I remember like Jumper as well with Hayden Christensen. I remember that film, yeah. X Men: The Last Stand, like kind of these films that you'd get on DVD and were would... pretty trash. Looking back at them, but,
1: uh, but yeah, if you were to draw a Venn diagram between a razor head and
0: be kind rewind, that's what is right, right in that's there, in it. the middle. And maybe like offbeat comedy, you could put in the middle as well. But um, if we talk a bit about like directors' trademarks, I don't know how familiar with David Lynch are you? Like, how many of his films have you seen? I'm, Apart I'm from, really not familiar with him at all.
1: I'm not. I've not even seen Mulholland Drive yet.
0: And so, the, so the next one's going to be the the Elephant Man. Do you know anything about that? Well, Well, I know the um, basic story. And they're like, I am not an animal.
1: Yes, Yes, yeah. What made you choose David Lynch then? Is he one of your favourites?
0: I think he just has an insane career. Like, he, he was asked to direct Return of the... Jedi, right? And then he does Dune later on, and Dune is just a whole like rabbit hole you can dive into. Like It's insane reading about the production of Dune. And you can read about Je- Jodorowsky as well. I don't know if you know Jodorowsky. No, no. He's probably up there with some of the weirder films. Like you said, Pink Flamingos and this were the weirdest films you've seen. I'd say Holy Mountain is another one that's like up there and just front to back, incomprehensible and insane and brilliant in oh, a weird way. I think and, I've
1: heard of him. Yes, yeah.
0: And he was going to do Dune and then Uh, David Lynch ended up doing it. He strikes this weird line between being really like obscene and horrible and then also like quite wholesome as well like he seems like a relatively normal guy for the kind of shit that's obviously going on in his mind from watching these films but
1: Oh, another thing He's... about Jack Nance while well, we're on him. Um, the, I mean, the, we weren't, but go on. <laughs> how he, the hair, um, he kept it throughout the five-year um, recording period because he was so dedicated to the film. When his hair was all brushed upwards in the kind of... It wouldn't look that shocking in t- today, but... A, Apparently in the mid 70s, where if people did have long hair, it was that kind of wavy look um, rather than the kind of vertical look, and um, they they would sort <laughs> of sit him in the middle seat in the back so that people wouldn't see him because it was just too weird. Yeah, he yeah, was used
0: again people. in a lot of other films, wasn't he? And that's something we'll see a lot. I think going through is like returning actors and like in mean, every director kind of has like their favourites, but especially so with David Lynch, he kind of picks up these people who have like something weird about them or like a weird look or something. Take your time, start over again, boss. Humphrey, what are you saying? Anything about his short films that he did before this? What, Six Men Getting Sick? Six times. Six <laughs> yeah. times. How old did he, he make that? Oh, that was like seventy-one, I think. So he started fairly late for uh, for a director. Like a lot of them will start in their twenties, but he was over thirty when he was making this. And I think it does feel like a more mature film than some of the other ones I've watched, like directors come out with to start with. Yes. We've not even talked about the the man in the planet.
1: Oh yeah. Who who um played The Man in the Planet again? It was um
0: I was looking him up and it's um this guy who mainly does like prop design and stuff and cinematography, and then he this is like one of his three like credits for being an actor jack, jack fisk jack fisk yeah and he has like this weird kind of like deformed appearance how, how would you describe what he looks like he's pulling like these levers that's yeah, another very lynchian thing like this kind of machinery that controls the world and like deception. and this guy is living up there <laughs> and behind the scenes orchestrating things i guess
1: and he doesn't look evil while he's organizing things necessarily he sort of looks troubled i guess or um very ill he has this sort of same kind of skin problem as as the baby later gets, doesn't he? I didn't really know what to think of that because that that is right in the opening scene, isn't it? And then he appears towards the end.
0: I only, like, noticed him because it is quite... Lynchian like definitely in the later Twin Peaks stuff there is like kind of that idea of these celestial figures like these spirits who control the world and stuff he's not that big a part of the film really like you could easily miss him with all the other weird shit that's going on
1: he appeared yeah right at the beginning and then right at the end so clearly um, it's important
0: so if we finish off the plot Josh then how would you say it and so we kind of talked about the child it, the child goes pretty terribly everyone involved um, his girlfriend Mary leaves him and so he's alone with the child
1: oh at one point his head head comes off and it's it's taken by a boy to a pencil factory where it's turned into the erasers on the end of the pencils. That's near the end, but it's not quite at the end. It's sort of, I guess infanticide the uh rabbit like baby is um clearly very ill and causing uh, a lot of distress. that's another thing the baby is sort of whining throughout the whole film and um adds to the, um, the tension and then he snips open the baby's um the swaddling and then it turns out that baby's sort of rotted on the inside or that the swaddling was the skin so it's completely exposed it's a very it's a very gruesome image he uses the scissors to kind of pierce a, a vital organ and then the whole world sort of falls apart and then he meets the woman the lady in the radiator and he's finally in heaven could say yeah i mean it's all,
0: it's all up for interpretation isn't it really like it's
1: not that clear cut yeah um, <laughs> and the man in the planet can't control the levers and then it kind of ends quite dramatically on on white when he finally meets the woman in the radiator the screen turns to white and that's it
0: yeah no and in the like the design of that bit at the end it feels a bit like um the fly or something like a bit kind of cronenberg and like body horror it's just horrific and like not even really human like what you're seeing like it's absurd and there's like a light flashing in the background and that's something david lynch again comes back to a lot is like the evils of electricity and like bright and natural lights and how they're possessed (laughs) something i mean i don't know what more we can say about this film man like it is just you have to watch it yourself you could either talk for 10 hours about it or you could just never talk about it again after watching it
1: there's a lot of things that are just not explained there are big clumps of soil in his flat that have sort of weedy tiny pathetic plants growing out of them there's so there's so much detail that is there but it doesn't serve the plot it's to serve the
0: mood absurdist but there's never the feeling. Cause often like films will be quite weird and there's the feeling they've done it to be deliberately weird and shocking but with david yeah. lynch i always kind of feel that this is like what he wanted to do like he's not doing it for shock value he's just trying to like express himself and this is how he expresses himself apparently is by making making a raise ahead
1: you must have such kind of incredible clarity of vision and belief in what you're doing to do something so odd and unusual and be spending the american film institute's budget on taking up years of these actors lives like it's a, it's a remarkable kind of vision to have it's not just a sort of mess about project it's it's a uh, proper serious project that took so long to commit to something so odd is quite yeah. remarkable
0: really so I guess all his films are kind of like a passion project and how they're very like his vision of what they should be did you like the bit well, I say like it's probably not uh, But um,
1: where <laughs> he's at uh, in the kitchen at his girlfriend's Parents' house and her parents are quite old but then her elderly grandmother is there and she just sits there she has something in a mixing bowl and she gets the grandmother to stir it by sort of moving her arms with the it was very unsettling i thought but, um, the
0: whole thing is unsettling like when the mother's making sexual noises and then she starts trying to kiss him and stuff it's very uh disorientating
1: un- the girlfriend and the mother have an argument and then he's left there with her father and her father's just sort of staring at him smiling so there's
0: a lot there's a lot of memorable moments absolutely I was going to say it's like kind of something that's been slipped through from an alternate universe where and it did come out in 1977 which is the same year as Star Wars so maybe there is a a universe where this became like a big blockbuster and made a load of money and then changed the entire film industry and every film is like a razor head and Star Wars is seen further weird Star Wars is like an experimental midnight cult movie people do podcasts about
1: I'm not sure how merchandise. A uh, razor head would be i did see something with the baby in it on etsy though um someone makes, really? like, like a cute cushion is the only time the baby looks vaguely uh
0: sweet and there's but, a whole mythology to how that prop was made did you read about that at all
1: he's never revealed where it actually is he's allowed speculation to run wild isn't he
0: even when they were watching like the dailies like the footage they were shooting he would like cover the eyes of people working with him so they couldn't see it and like because he didn't want anyone to know then they also apparently had like a he buried it in an undisclosed location and then at the rat party they had like a like a wake for it or something
1: now we just won't talk about it in interviews
0: yeah I mean I saw like a rabbit floated around about what it might be I mean it would be weird if it did have like actual animal Parts in it, right? Surely it would start rotting. If they're filming it over five years, no, I,
1: I don't think it's possible for it. I, I did, I did think about it and read about it a lot because I was quite concerned the idea of it having any kind of organic tissue is possible i don't think that would be practical for the prop but um it just, just smell disgusting the, the, to start with like there's, there's no way there's no way I, I think it's just very cleverly designed but fair play to him for kind of allowing the uh the rumors to run wild really
0: and that's something you could never do now i don't think like it would immediately be like cell phone footage whatever would be uploaded of it exactly these things always get ruined now have right, you ever because kiz, kiz is uh using the toilet so I need to mute my microphone out of respect. <laughs> so the one character I guess we haven't talked about is the that girl who lives across the hall from him. Pretty pretty minor part in the film, but um, obviously kind of becomes more significant because of how she's quite mysterious.
1: This might be a pretty simplistic way of looking at it, but does she represent the life he would have potentially were it not his commitment to the baby? Um, every time he tries to get close with her, the... Uh, she sees him as the horrible baby creature or um, the baby's whining and screaming gets in the way. I think she represents what the uh, baby's depriving him of.
0: I think it's kind of like a play on that kind of sitcom trope or like film trope of like having an attractive neighbour. Like it's literally in the Big Bang Theory, isn't it? To pick out like one... Yes. Example. She's kind of more traditionally attractive and as you say, credited as the beautiful woman across the hall. While his partner, Mary, is maybe not as traditionally attractive, I would say. So there's that comes into play as well in a certain way. And it's like, would my baby be less horrible if I'd had it with this beautiful woman across the hall? I don't know. Maybe maybe his sperm are just severely deformed and um he was always gonna have a monster baby. Because the woman on the stage kept stamping on them. I mean, no, that makes sense. That's the thing with David Lynch films, is you can kind of just make up your own kind of canon or kind continuity in there it all it all makes sense if you want it to as, as we've said it kind of defies interpretation i would say we, do we need some kind of rating scale for this podcast what what do you think the rating scale should be i mean if we're going twin peaks it would be like cups of coffee or like apple pies but maybe that cherry pies but maybe that's too too on the nose i don't know pencils yeah how many eraser heads would you give this out of how how deformed a baby would you rate this film <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna go there. it's tr-
1: it's tricky isn't it because it um as i was what i definitely got enjoyed it more as i was watching it and it's it's one of those films that's become so like you said it's it is a classic it's become so kind of seminal among filmmakers it's so revered that for many people it's just sort of five star total classic and um but it's it's also hard to recommend to a friend isn't it uh, if you're giving it out of 10 probably an eight or a nine but yeah, it, no, it yeah. almost defies the rating scale because it's um in in a sense it's absolutely it's a 10 out of 10 if, if in what it's trying to do and just sort of creating its own kind of language of just as an exercise in um the use of the soundscape and creating a kind of feeling rather than telling a story as a piece of art it's um
0: genius but perhaps not he he started doing art didn't he so it kind of it definitely is like the kind of quintessential art film in a lot of ways i remember my film studies teacher in college had a poster of it on the wall so it's very film studenty that doesn't subtract from like the actual meaning you can get from it
1: and he called it his most spiritual film as well what, what would you, if you had to give it a
0: score or um, a rating? Well, something we've talked about a lot because I've watched a lot of like debut films from directors is how kind of polished is their vision kind of right out the gate. Like, is this a blueprint for every David Lynch film that came later? And he was kind of older than most directors are when they make their first film. But in terms of actual numbers, I don't know. As you say, it's kind of like a ten or a zero, isn't it? There's not a lot of middle ground.
1: Yeah, definitely. What you're saying as an execution of his vision, absolutely it's a it's a total success it's um you might you may find it abhorrent but um it's uh it can't be denied it as an art film
0: What about impressions? Can you do a David Lynch impression? You heard him speak a lot? I don't think I have. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a very distinctive voice, I would say. And he's, he's in Twin Peaks. The movie on a telephone. I you will him, yeah. never in a trillion years experience the film. Oh, that's wow. his famous rant about people watching Crazy. films on, oh, on oh, no. You'll be <clears throat> cheated. It's a, such a sadness that you think you've seen a film on your fucking telephone (laughs) get real